You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome to America's Web Radio. I'm Ron Bachman, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. Today, healthcare, especially the coronavirus, is really in the news. And we've got to figure out how to deal with those types of illnesses that come up, those kinds of viruses that occur. But, you know, the American healthcare system is so much better than the rest of the world. We've got tremendous public safety, public health resources to draw on. We've got a responsive healthcare system. We've got so much going for us to help to prevent those kinds of catastrophes. So I hope part of what you're hearing and listening to as we go through this almost panic period of time about healthcare reform is that you have a realization that we've got tremendous resources, both research, delivery, and capabilities to help people with immunizations, with vaccinations that will be developed over a short period of time. It's the private market in the United States that's having a real impact in trying to develop cures. You don't hear much about that from other countries. You have other countries that are having difficulty in even taking care of people in the hospital. I believe we have so many deaths in China because their healthcare system is a real failure. We have healthcare problems around the world and other countries that are just not able to address the demands and the needs of something like this that arises. But I want to talk to you today about how the free market and the healthcare system that we have can be made so much better, how we can better access it. And accessing the healthcare means you have to have health insurance. And with the coronavirus, there's been a big push to be sure that insurance companies are paying for the tests that are necessary to identify whether somebody has a coronavirus or not. So what I want to get into is how anybody listening to this program today can really get more involved and be sure that you have the kinds of access that you need to health insurance, affordable health insurance, the health insurance that you need, not what somebody else wants you to have, but what you really need. So it's your choice. So if you're listening to this program today, it's because you probably know that it's time to get real. Your life and the lives of family members are at stake. So let's talk reality. Republicans do not have a consensus health reform plan, and Democrats failed with Obamacare. You don't want more empty political promises or bumper sticker slogans. You want solutions now. And I know for those of you just tuning in, I should probably describe my great and wonderful expertise and my list of credentials, but you can find that in other locations on America's Web Radio site for my Thursday 11 o'clock podcast. I'll simply say I've worked in and consulted with all the major players for over 50 years. I've worked the halls of Congress at the state and federal level. I've testified in over 30 states, presented multiple times before congressional panels, and provided expert advice to federal and state agencies, and helped pass legislation by both Republicans and Democrats. I know where the bodies are buried. I know the problems that both sides face. I know their strengths and weaknesses. I know the arguments that they provide for delay, 
deny, and defeat that the vested establishment interests have used against you. I want to get to the meat of what you need to know and what to do. I want to cut through the BS of politicians and insurance companies. For many years, the key question has been, is insurance a right or a privilege? Quite honestly, I don't care. You and I are more practical. We know we need health insurance to access health care. We need insurance now and as protection against future costs of medical care we may need. So how do we work together to get what we want rather than what some politician or insurance company thinks we need? Politicians will say, we need a national conversation on health care reform. They send out opinion surveys that are really a ruse for fundraising. Have they ever responded back to you? No. You simply get another letter asking for money. You see, once they know you have an interest in health reform, they know to use that topic to solicit more contributions. When was the last time you spoke to an insurance CEO? Like never? They stay isolated in their large home office buildings with guards and security codes to keep people like you and me away. Just try it sometime. Walk into one of their granite offices and ask to speak to the CEO. Watch the verbal runaround that you get and the barriers that will quickly go, go up. So, are regular people like you and me left helpless? Are we subject to the whims of the political elites and the healthcare industrial complex? No. Okay, in some ways we're at the mercy of elected officials, but we're not helpless. There are real solutions that can help you and your family. However, most solutions that help us work against the interests of lobbyists in the healthcare and political establishment. Here is how we win. First, know what they are keeping secret from you. Knowledge is power. Besides, you have the most powerful weapon ever created, the vote. But how can you leverage that into action? Trust me, an informed and angry voter gets political attention. Committed voting groups scare the bejesus out of them. If you think one vote will never change the world, you are wrong. Some examples. In 2010, Obamacare was passed by one vote from a dead person. After being part of a Senate 60-vote filibuster-proof approval of Obamacare, Ted Kennedy died. He was replaced by Scott Brown, who ran in opposition to Obamacare. But the House of Representatives used a political trick to avoid a Senate revote that would surely have failed. So we got Obamacare by the margin of a dead man's vote. So, one vote or a few votes can change the world. Think back to recent elections. John Kennedy won the 1960 presidential election 
and was supported by fewer than 9,000 extra votes, and they were disputed votes in Illinois. In 2000, George W. Bush won the presidency by 547 hanging shads in the Florida vote. Donald Trump shocked the country by winning several states by only a few thousand votes. Now, you may hate politics, but that is where it all begins and ends. Remember, the passage of laws, even if by one vote, can force you to buy only government-approved insurance. They can force you to pay for insurance you don't want and you don't need. They can increase your taxes and add penalties for noncompliance. So the thing you really hate is not politics, but the intrusive effects of unbridled politics. What I want to do today is talk to you about what is possible. You don't have to settle for the crumbs that politicians or insurance companies offer you. You don't have to settle for the products that they put on the table. You should be able to get the products that you want. You know, there's one property and casualty company on TV that advertises only buy what you need. Well, if it can do that for auto insurance, for homeowners insurance, for renters insurance, why can't you do that for health care? You know what you need more than anybody else. You don't want to pay for things you don't have to pay for. You can gain control over your future health insurance needs. It could be a matter of life or death for you or a family member. Now let's continue for a little bit here and talk about what these concepts are. Well, health reform proposals are generally very confusing. To clarify the topic in this discussion, I'm going to follow the KISS principle. K-I-S-S, that is, keep it simple, stupid. One debate trick that they use against us is that everyone points the finger of blame at someone else for our current dysfunctional health care and health insurance system. Insurers blame hospitals and doctors. Hospitals blame insurers. Doctors blame lawyers. Employers blame non-compliant employees. And hospitals blame technology. And so, the blame game goes on and on and on. And there's no solution in sight. Another trick they use is to propose comprehensive solutions to large problems. In 2019, healthcare spending represented 17.8% of our gross domestic product. Any industry that large is complicated and has lots of vested interest in maintaining the status quo. They use that against us by suggesting comprehensive reforms. But those always include other political agendas. They assume we are too stupid to understand. They use industry nomenclature, political shorthand, all these alphabet letter type organizations and phrases like 
COB and CON and HDHP and CDHC and many more to show us that we just don't know or understand. Well, we're not going to let them play that game anymore. We want to talk about real health care reform that affects you, the listener out there today, a typical working individual, a working family who's getting coverage either from an employer or maybe you're purchasing your own insurance. Of course, the type of insurance that you get may be from a large employer that's self-insured. You don't even know or understand that concept. I'll explain it in simple terms in a minute. Or you may be getting insurance from a small employer that's fully insured. And again, I'll explain that. It's not complicated. Of course, there's more than insurance in what I'll call the private market. Because government already provides insurance to a lot of people out there. And nearly all the areas of health care need some kind of reform. Medicaid... And that's insurance for the poor. It's too expensive and fraught with fraud. Payments to care providers are so low that many doctors do not accept Medicaid patients. So while the poor may have a an insurance card that says Medicaid on it, they can't actually get into the doctor's office very easily or find a provider of choice that may be close by or one that they prefer. Medicare, that's insurance for age 65 and older, is running out of money. Baby boomers are overwhelming the Medicare system. And the coverage is so inadequate that most people under Medicare have to go out and buy expensive Medicare supplement policies to fill in the gaps and the holes, things that Medicare doesn't cover. And, of course, we have other government programs like the VA system, the Veterans Administration, and it has long waits and inadequate care. And the problems go on and on around these multiple different types of government insurance. As consumers and or potential patients, how do we cut through the fog of all this? Well, we're at the end of this first segment, so I'm going to take a quick break here, and I want to come back and talk in more detail about where we go from here. And those of you listening today, And on podcasts in the future, how do you go about getting the things that you want, when you want them, and at the price that you want? So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. You're on America's Web Radio, and you're listening to Healthcare Insight. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. You're listening to Healthcare Insight. We're talking about how you, the listener out there, can take some action, can be empowered to actually get the insurance that you want. And we're talking about how do we pare this down to the real needs of you and your family and you and your family and many other families out there just like you, hardworking individuals. Individuals that get their insurance mainly from their employer or you go out and you buy your own individual policy. So I left the last section with the idea of 
How do we cut through the fog? How do we get down to what each of us could do, the parts that each of us can play, the areas that we should focus on if we're trying to push for various types of reforms or actions that we might take? Well, remember that old joke, how do you eat an elephant? Of course, the answer is one bite at a time. So how do we solve these massive problems that we see in the healthcare industrial complex? How everybody points to somebody else as being the real problem. Go start with them. Make them change before I change. No, you go make change before I change. And they use all the terminology in the world to confuse us and all the alphabet soup organizations and structures. All that mumbo jumbo speak that they toss around so that we don't really understand what they're doing and it sounds more complicated than it really is? Well, the real answer about taking it one bite at a time is let's start with the areas most in need. That's what any good business person would do when facing an issue that's complex. Start with the area most in need and especially where change can have the biggest beneficial impact. For you, for me, and our families. You know the difference between health insurance and health care, so don't let anybody confuse you. While they are intertwined, you know that health care is how one receives services from medical providers or doctors in your hospitals. But health insurance is how one pays for or finances the medical services that you get from the doctors in the hospitals. And you have a hard time getting in to see the doctor or hospital if you don't have health insurance. That's the very first thing that the hospital admissions will ask you. What insurance do you have? Where's your insurance card? You walk into a doctor's office. Where's the very first thing that they do? Have you changed your insurance? Let me see a copy of your insurance card so that they can get reimbursed. So if you want to start where the problem really is, around access, affordability, and quality of care, it's about restructuring our health insurance system. Now, I'll talk about health insurance in various ways. Let's talk first about the private insurance market. Most Americans are part of the 176 million who get access to health care through their private employer-sponsored health insurance. But if you're one of the 28 million uninsured, you'll find solutions that we talk about over the next couple weeks. Insured or uninsured, we are concerned about the same things. The cost of health insurance, coverage of pre-existing conditions, and our out-of-pocket costs for deductibles and coinsurance. That's basically what the private market is. It's not complicated. You're either insured or you're not insured, but you have the same issues and concerns. If you're not insured, it may very well be because of the cost of insurance. If you're in the private market and you're, and you're working for an employer that offers insurance, that employer may subsidize it. So you pay some premium. And what you pay and what comes out of your paycheck is not the full cost of insurance. It's typically a portion of it, probably less than half. That's how expensive the whole package is when your employer has to also contribute. 
So the private market insurance in an overview is not that complicated. Well, what about government insurance? Most of us don't even think about that because we're not involved in the government insurance programs. But let's recognize that Medicare, which is insurance for the older folks, age 65 and above, and Medicaid, which is insurance for the poor, if your income is very low and there's different rules and regulations state by state, it may differ, but basically it's insurance for the poor is what we think of mostly for Medicaid. It does have other aspects of convalescent care and coverage for aged, blind, and disabled. But the main thing we think about in that area is coverage for the poor. And those programs legitimately need reforms as they are critical to federal and state budgets. We spend a lot of money in federal and state budgets to cover these areas, to subsidize these areas, to make it available to people who aren't otherwise covered by the private market. But when you have big government programs, and government covers probably 50% of all health care costs in the United States under one of these government programs, solutions are very difficult because there are significant lobbying interests and resistance from special interest constituents. There's a built-in structure that people have been lobbying for special treatment, special reimbursements, special types of coverages. So it's very difficult once something becomes a government program to change it because it's kind of out of sight of regular people like you and me. So what I'm suggesting is on the government programs, let's set those aside because most of us aren't covered by government programs. We're covered by the private market. Now, there are some other government programs that are just as dysfunctional as the Medicare and Medicaid programs are. You have the VA health system, TRICARE, which is coverage for military, and children's health insurance programs. They all need reform, and they need new flexibilities to improve coverage and patient care. Again, these issues can be dealt with separately through appropriate legislative and administrative actions, but it's not where you and I need to give our focus and attention. Most people are covered in the private market. So follow me as we explore solutions for your needs wherever you fall within the four major populations of over 200 million. And there are four segments that I'd like to talk about. One, large employer-sponsored plans. Two, small employer-sponsored plans. And the break there is generally above and below 50 lives, although there's not a, a single definition for what a large or small is. But I'll describe a little bit of the details around that. It's not complicated, even though an insurance agent or somebody in the industry might make it sound complicated. The third area are individually purchased health insurance policies. And the fourth area is the uninsured population. So don't get caught up in the insurance industry terminology. Identify which of the four main groups you and your family are a part of. And let me give you a little bit more detail. You may be working for a large self-insured, employer-sponsored group. 
which provides employer-subsidized premiums. And that accounts for about 120 million persons in the United States. Now, what is self-insured? Most of you listening to this program probably already know that. But let me define it so that we're all on the same page. A self-insured group health plan is one in which the employer pays the claims and uses an administrator, sometimes an insurer who acts as an administrator, to process claims and provide other services like legal, actuarial, educational, enrollment. But in a self-insured arrangement, the insurance company is not really at risk for anything. They're just providing services. So they're not really an insurer. They're what is many times called a third-party administrator. So the real responsibility for claims is on the back of the employer. And just to show you an extreme example, if the employer went bankrupt, you would lose your health insurance claims. There's no insurance company that is then responsible for those claims. If you work for a small, fully insured, employer-sponsored plan, those also provide employer-subsidized premiums, and they cover about 45 million more people. Now, again, the definition between large and small is not always clear. Typically, it's above or below 50 employees. But if you're a very large employer, you can still be fully insured. If you're a very small employer these days, you can actually be self-insured. So just a matter of how the employer decides to take on the risk of the claims or not. But let me define a fully insured plan. A fully insured health plan is the traditional way for small employers to purchase insurance. It's the way most of them do. With a fully insured health plan, the insurance company pays a premium to the insurance carrier, and the insurance carrier then pays the claims, whatever the level is, and provides all the other services that are otherwise needed. So if your company went bankrupt, the insurance company is one responsible for claims. They will have reserves set up, and they will continue to pay the claims as long as the premium is being paid by the insurance company and for claims that have occurred but there have not been submitted or processed, the insurance company will handle that. That's their responsibility. The third area were individual policies. So those are purchased somewhere around five and a half or so percent of the population, or about 15 million people have individual policies. In 2019, a little over 11 million people actually purchased individual policies through what are now called federal insurance exchanges. And through the federal insurance exchange, many individuals are subsidized with government money and others purchase insurance directly from insurers. The fourth category, the uninsured, total about 28 million in 2019. This group generally includes the working poor. They don't qualify for Medicaid because they have too much income. So they're working, but there's no employer-sponsored health plan. The employer doesn't offer insurance. The key here is to create options for more small businesses to offer and subsidize the purchase of health insurance. We would pick up an awful high percentage of the $28 million. Now, if you listen to the political environment today, you'll hear one of the candidates talk about $87 million uninsured 
and underinsured. Well, that's an overstatement because what he calls underinsured is by his definition, people who have insurance, bought insurance, they may not want the rich health insurance plan that he may be offering or suggesting. So it's a real overstatement to make a political point. Don't let the politicians trick you. Now, to address specific concerns, let's discuss the concept that I call personalized health insurance. So if you're in one of those markets, there are solutions that elected politicians and insurance industries are just not pursuing on your behalf. There are things that they could offer you. There are coverages that they should be providing. There's legislation and regulations that should be developed that would benefit you, but you're not getting it because you're not really the customer. The customer for the insurance company is the employer who's paying most of the premium. The customer for the politician after he gets your vote is really the lobbyist who's paying for his re-election campaign. So we're going to get into the specifics of what personalized health insurance really means and how you can find it, access it, encourage it, and support its development and passage into some laws and regulations that would benefit you and not let the lobbyists take control. Well, we're at the end of another segment. So let's call this timeout and come back after the next commercial. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. You're listening to Ron Bachman, and this is Healthcare Insight. I want to continue to talk about how you can get the insurance you want, when you want it, how you want it, who you want your providers to be, and why you're being denied those options by what I call the healthcare industrial complex. I want you to understand some of the insider problems that are created for you. How the lobbyists prevent you from getting what you need. How the insurance industry doesn't really have your best interests in mind. How you can't get the choices you want. I was a health insurance actuary for an insurance company for many years developing health insurance products. And I can tell you this. I never had my CEO come up to me and say, develop a product that is lower cost. Inevitably, what they did was come to me with our marketing VP and say, is there something we can add to our insurance product that doesn't cost very much, but has a lot of sizzle to it that these marketing guys can sell? And we can overprice it, have a bigger margin on that piece because it's going to sound good. But if I wanted a high deductible, if I wanted a consumer-oriented product, I had to push that on my own. I had to try to encourage it as an option, but it wasn't desired. And if I put it on the books as one of our products, guess what happens in the marketing area? They're not as likely to sell it. Somebody almost has to ask for it, be an informed consumer, and say, well, don't you have something that's less expensive, something that will meet my needs? Because you got to remember, these insurance agents are getting paid a commission. The higher the premium, 
Typically, the more money they make. So, you need to be informed. And that's what this hour is all about. Trying to be informed and try to take the changes to the marketplace that you know can be done. Now, let's talk about this concept I just introduced in the last segment. Personalized health insurance. It says exactly what I wanted to say. It describes what ought to happen when you want health insurance. It's personalized to you and your family. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's not a requirement of the federal government or a state government to say you have to have this coverage. No, it's something that you need and you want, and it's personalized to you. I guess I could have called it monogrammed health insurance because it's all about you. It's not about them. So if you're one of the markets that we segments that we talked about in the last area, let me tell you in detail what personalized health insurance solutions really will affect. If the market segment is large employer sponsored plans, then a big definite yes, personalized health insurance will meet your needs. It may require your employer, since they're the ones offering programs, to give you more choices, to give you more options. And you and your fellow associates, with a knowledge of what we're going to be talking about over the next few segments and into next week, you ought to be able to know what to ask for. You have to be an informed consumer. Nobody's going to care about you and your family any more than you. So if you don't care about it, it's probably not going to happen. But large employers are looking for solutions. They're confused under Obamacare as to this definition of full-time employees. Many people are kept from working beyond 30 hours a week. When they'd like to work, where we have full employment, we need people working, but as soon as they go over 30 hours, they're considered full-time, and now they got to have this expensive Obamacare coverage with all the mandates included. So employers need flexibility there. They want price transparency. They want to know what things cost, just like you and I do. And they want to have better quality measures so that the products and services that they're offering up, that they're subsidizing to a great degree, maybe more than 50% of the cost. The employer... <coughs> Excuse me. The employer wants some kind of quality measures. If you work for a small employer plan, again, the answer is a resounding yes. The personalized health insurance applies in this area. But one of the particular issues of small employer plans, well, they want to be sure there's guaranteed issue because now the insurance company is taking the responsibility. So they want to be sure that everybody's covered. They want to be sure that pre-existing conditions are covered because those things are covered under the large employer plans the way they're structured today, but not so much for small employer plans the way it was designed pre-Obamacare. Fortunately, Obamacare does require pre-existing conditions, and we want to continue that. But small employers have other issues that they want addressed. They're thrown into something called a single risk pool. Again, that may sound complicated, 
It's really not. It's just saying that if you are a healthy group, that you're doing healthy things, I'm sorry, you can't get fully recognized for that. Because you're going to get thrown into a pool of other lives, a group of other lives, if you will. That may not be as good a risk. They may be unhealthy. They may not have healthy programs that would encourage compliance with care, education of employees and family members. So everybody's thrown into one pot. Small employees would like some differentiation. They think they have a right to be recognized if they're doing the right things to hold costs down. They should have lower premiums. Works in every other part of our lives. And small employers are very concerned that there's a lack of insurance competition. There's not enough insurers out there so they can jack up prices. They can offer limited choices. They've got a monopoly on the market of discounts from hospitals and doctors that preclude competition from coming in. They don't have to have much of the price transparency that everybody wants or needs. Now, if you're buying an individual policy, whether it's on a federal or state exchange or buying it directly from the insurance company, again, personalized health care offers up solutions that are consumer-oriented, patient-centered. What do you want an individual policy? Well, some of the same things that you get in an employer plan, guaranteed issue, coverage of pre-existing conditions, choices, affordability. And if you're in that fourth category of uninsured, probably the best area that personalized health care can help you is that would mean you could afford a comprehensive major medical plan if that's what you want. But you also can have affordable options, temporary insurance, limited coverage insurance, whatever you need that meets your needs. Because if you're uninsured, you have nothing. And you may want to be covered for certain types of conditions. You may want to have a limited coverage policy, something cheaper until you can more fully afford a more comprehensive plan. Or you may want a comprehensive plan and you can't even get it because the costs are just way too high, because you're paying the full bill. There's no employer that's going to help subsidize that cost. Those are the four areas. So, again, it doesn't cover Medicaid. It doesn't cover Medicare. It doesn't cover some of the other government programs, like TRICARE, the VA system, or the Children's Health Insurance Plan. Those all need reforms. Medicaid needs more block grants. They need to eliminate waste and fraud. They need to implement work requirements, which some states are doing. They need to consider a more effective way to provide for long-term care. All that's under Medicaid. But don't let that insurance industrial complex confuse things by throwing in Medicaid into all the other reforms that you and I, almost 200 million of the 330 million people in this country, get their health insurance through the private market. Don't let them confuse government programs with that because the government programs have a lot of vested interests and make it much more difficult to get some sort of comprehensive health reform bill through. Medicare is the same way. Medicare is not part of this program I'm talking about of personalized health insurance. But there's a lot of reforms needed to the Medicare Advantage. Again, there's fraud, waste, abuse, prescription drug costs, impact on the federal budget, all sorts of issues with Medicare. In both the Medicare 
coverage for the elderly and Medicaid, coverage for the poor. One of the fastest growing areas of corruption is organized crime getting involved in there because the federal government doesn't do a very good job on fraud. You pay out millions and millions of dollars to providers out there who are cheating the system. And there's a system called pay and chase. Government pays the bills out there, and if they see there's a problem, they go chase them. Well, guess what happens to the crooks? They're run off. They're gone. They've closed down their operation. They've changed their post office box. They've changed their client base. They've gone on to set up another operation to cheat the federal government. We can't do that any longer. But that's another day, another argument, another book to be written. And the VA system and TRICARE system, they need flexibility. They need more private care options. And some of that's been coming about under this administration. But clearly, it's a dysfunctional system whenever the government gets involved. And we need changes. But we're not talking about changing government-run, government-funded programs. We're talking about the private market, which is most of us in the United States. That's where we can make a change. If we can do that, set the example, proof of concept, that things are actually working in the private market, that the federal government can set up the rules and regulations so that we can have a viable, competitive, free market system, which we never had before. We never had that pre-Obamacare. Then maybe we can actually pull in some of those ideas into the federal government programs. So again, we're going to put aside the political demagoguery that Medicare and Medicaid reforms inevitably bring. Such reforms are typically distorted as hurting the poor and throwing grandmother over the cliff. So we're going to save those battles for another day and solve the concerns most directly affecting you and me by by focusing on the private market alone, personalized health insurance, as we'll outline in the coming weeks, will work for what you and your family are concerned about. So let's come back and do a final segment on personalized health insurance and give you a little bit more insight into what we're really talking about and what you can do to access quality health care that you and your family actually need. Be right back. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio. Let's get into some real details now of what in the world private health insurance really is. How do we define it? We've talked about the general concepts that you need to know what you can do for yourself and your family. Now, I wanted to have this program today because... Politicians and the insurance companies seem unable to develop or coalesce around a coherent alternative to what we currently have, as some would call Obamacare. Now, pre-Obamacare, before 2010, the health insurance industry was not a great system. It certainly didn't show America at its finest. In fact, the laws and regulations were mostly written by Insurance industry lawyers, we've talked about how they have no interest 
directly in the consumer. They're out to design laws and regulations that benefit the insurance companies, not the consumer of the insurance company's products. And we certainly don't want to revert to that system or let the insurance industry lobbyists write the laws in a new post-Obamacare system. We'll only get the shaft a second time. If the health industrial complex had its way, consumers would be powerless when seeking the purchase coverage. Insurance would restrict which provider services patients could access. Cost and quality information would be non-existent. Individual consumers would have no power to negotiate premiums or understand why they were rejected for coverage. A few powerful insurers would limit consumer coverage, provider alternatives, plan choices, innovation, and pricing competition. That wouldn't create a free market. It would create the opposite. It would create a very structured, limited design, only a few companies controlling all the power, a monopoly or oligopoly. But personalized health insurance is a new health insurance system that is consumer-driven and patient-centric. Now, I know I haven't given all the details yet, but I'm going to try to get into that before this hour is finished, and we'll complete the structure and design next week. But personalized health insurance is an approach to get the insurance you want, when you want it, at an affordable price. Personalized health insurance includes the most popular consumer-oriented features of guaranteed issue, coverage of pre-existing conditions, coverage of dependent children to at least age 26, unlimited lifetime maximums, and comprehensive major medical insurance coverage, plus any other option that you might want. Doesn't have to be comprehensive. It can be limited coverages, but that's what you want, what you need. So we can't let insurance bureaucracies come between you and me and the patient-provider relationship. We cannot let others set the rules that controls the delivery of provider care and treatments. We cannot let others set the rules of what insurance we're allowed to buy that gives us access to those providers, their care and their treatment plans. So personalized health insurance builds on the strengths of this country and our history. It uses the efficiencies of the private market and the consumer protections of government agencies. But if we cannot unite around personalized health insurance, then surely we will head to a one-size-fits-all structure that fails to meet your unique insurance needs. So, what is personalized health insurance and how does it work? Well, you remember the old Wendy's hamburger commercial that famously asked, where's the beef? Well, now we're going to describe some of the where's the beef related to personalized health insurance. Because personalized health insurance provides every American with access to affordable policies that will cover any and all pre-existing conditions. Personalized health insurance is designed to provide all Americans four options that guarantee quality, affordable health insurance. First, if you apply to an insurance company for coverage, just like you did pre-Obamacare, this structure of personalized health insurance will reset 
the relationship between the individual applicant and the insurance company. It will level the playing field, so it's not going to be the same as it was pre-Obamacare. But the first step, the first group of people who get coverage, and this is all going to be guaranteed, you're going to be in one of these four areas. The first is you make an application and you accept the insurance company offer for the product and the price that they're selling. You can see what their options are. You can see what their choices are. In a competitive environment, you'll have a lot more choices and options and different prices. But that's the first. You apply for insurance and you get it. But if you don't, then you'd fall into the second category. And you'll be reviewed for that consumer protection by a quasi-government private mixtured entity. That would see if you were appropriately rejected for bad health. As an example, you already had a significant pre-existing condition. So while you would have had pre-existing conditions covered with that first category of applying and getting accepted, you may be rejected because you recently had a heart attack. You have an existing cancer. You've got other traumatic persistent conditions, chronic conditions, that you were rejected for. Well, the second step is you would be reviewed by this quasi-government private entity to determine if you were truly uninsurable. And you would get a certificate of guaranteed coverage if you're insurable and really shouldn't have been rejected. And the conditions of coverage and premium limitations on how much you might have to pay more, which would be very limited excess over standard rates. You would get a certificate of guaranteed coverage. So you would go back to the insurance industry and you they would have to offer you a product at an affordable rate. The third category would be that if you have a chronic persistent condition that you are truly uninsurable. And there's only about two or three percent of the population that's truly uninsurable. Then you would be accepted into something I call an impaired health support group. You would have every product and service that can help you stabilize your condition to help support a recovery program. But you wouldn't be pushed off into some high-risk pool that doesn't care about you, that the industry is just trying to get rid of, that they didn't design anything in a high-risk pool to be helpful, only to dismiss those people who have serious needs. So personalized health really focuses on the needs of the least among us the least less healthy and gives them all the help and support that any major large employer would provide to their staff. So if you have real healthcare needs, you're going to want to get into the impaired health support group because you're guaranteed to have affordable coverage. And it's going to be subsidized maybe by an employer. If you're coming from an employer plan or be subsidized by state or federal funds, well, there's a number of other ways that fees and industry charges can be made against the insurance companies, against some of the insurance vendors, the pharmaceutical companies, to put you in the impaired health support group and get your coverage. The fourth area is that if you can't agree to a coverage with the insurance company in that first category, and the second category you get a guaranteed, a certificate of guaranteed coverage, but you really can't afford. Your income is so low 
You're still healthy, but you really can't afford insurance. You'll be put into a subsidized insurance exchange product. Somewhat like Obamacare exchanges today, but the subsidies won't go up to 400% of poverty for a family of four, which is equivalent to over $100,000. The subsidies under personalized health insurance would give you the choice of coverages much broader than Obamacare, and it would be really coverage set aside for subsidies for people who are truly needy. If we provide coverage to those who are truly needy and not families making over $100,000, we'd have enough money to be able to provide coverage for those individuals. So it's fairly simple, direct, and easily communicated. There are no gaps in coverage. Health insurance policies are guaranteed to be issued to anyone wanting coverage. No one is required to buy insurance against their will. But 100% of Americans, you and me included, will be able to purchase affordable health insurance under one of those four scenarios. We are guaranteed affordable insurance. So if you want insurance, you will get insurance and you'll get coverage that recognizes the type of coverage you want and the providers that you're trying to utilize. Your family doctor that you've had for a long time includes specialists. It's not one of these limited network policies. Now, if you want that, that might be available, but you'd have to recognize up front that's a very limited coverage. You could have the right to do that. But you'll get the chance to get broader coverage if that's what you want. It's not going to be forced on you like it is today that you have to have all these different coverages. You have to have all these different payments under an insurance plan. Just drive up your costs unnecessarily. So what have people done today? They've just taken higher and higher deductibles, which really doesn't help them any because their insurance policy may cover a lot of different things, have broad networks and have all sorts of things if you have a catastrophe. But underneath that, if you don't have a savings account under that, a health savings account or some other way of finance, you just have a high deductible. So you got to come up with five, six, seven, ten thousand dollars $10,000. People just don't want that. They want something more affordable and something that will help protect them when they have catastrophic needs and when they have a chronic and persistent condition where they have to go to the doctor or they have to take their medications. Personalized health ins insurance can do all that. And we're going to get into all the details of the structure that I've talked about in these four different areas starting next week. But it does work. It can work. And you can demand that you have access to it. So it's hard to believe. Well, it's easy to be skeptical. But stay with me over the next couple of weeks, and I will tell you how you, with the power of your vote, with the power of knowledge and knowing what could be. Know the possible. Don't just understand others telling you you can't have that. That's not going to be available. We don't provide that. We can't allow for that. Don't let the insurance industry drive this discussion as we move into real health reform, both during this election year and regardless of who's elected. We're going to have to design and structure something after November 2020. And whether it's the Republicans or Democrats that are elected, 
Don't let those politicians get us sidetracked. Yeah, there are other issues like coronavirus, prescription drugs, what they call hidden out-of-network costs, excess costs that are being... Those are side issues. And politicians say, yeah, well, we're dealing with health reform, but they're not really dealing with health reform. You're dealing with some small slice. So stay with us, and we'll go through next week the details of how personalized health insurance can really work for you, your family, and how you can demand that it be available today. Better coverage tomorrow, but meets your needs, your unique needs for your family. See you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.